You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. Check out TrueStrengthApparel.com for clothing you'll love with a message you can trust. That's TrueStrengthApparel.com. So we're going to talk about the resurrection, but I'm kind of going to, I'm going to probably go over a lot of stuff quickly. Um, and we're going to cover it from uh, the angle of prophecy and then some historical evidence that, that gives it reliability and then also why? Why does this matter? What's the big deal with the resurrection? Uh, kind of seems like a way that is, uh, is right to finish it. So um, the first passage, I'm not going to start here, but we will start in Isaiah 53 um, once I get there. Uh, that's page 593. Um, I'm going to say a few things first. So to, to kind of bring about the obvious, right? Somebody, somebody resurrecting. The claim is that Jesus Christ of Nazareth resurrected from the dead, right? He was, he was killed and came back to life, and now he's the Messiah. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. Like, this is what our faith is dependent on. Um, but uh, in order for somebody to resurrect, they have to what? Die. They have to die. But for, in order for somebody to die, they have to what? Be alive, be be a person, be an actual person that existed, right? So that, you know, all those steps are a lot of steps that people doubt about Jesus Christ. Some people doubt at the very beginning, is is he even real? Did he even exist? Um, And then obviously, uh, okay, some people agree that he was alive, but did he really even die? Um, There's a lot, there's been... Over the years, there's been many, many theories of, of what happened to him um, before the cross. Uh, was, was he a fake? Did he have a twin? Did he, did he really not die on the cross? Um, did he swoon? Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Was the body taken? All, you know, so many different theories. Um, and then, obviously, leading to, is the re- resurrection real? Because we'll, we'll see why that's a big deal um, in a few minutes. Um, but... Starting kind of from a prophecy angle, and I'm going to cover this real quick, but it's really interesting. The Bible basically says that prophecy is, is the strongest or one of the strongest ways that we know that this is actually God's word. That we know that, uh, that, that all of the stuff that happened in the Old Testament that led to the New Testament, that led to Christ's life, that led to afterwards, led to where we are now, that is leading to the future events that prophecy is one of the best ways to to show that this is all real. This is all this is all what's what's in what's in here in this Bible is actually God's word. Because for something to be God's word, then there's going to be some extra like supernatural divine power behind it, behind those words, right? 
Uh, it's not going to just be able to be written by some humans and be a really cool story and somehow magically it all makes sense. Like there's some stuff that actually shows that this is beyond human. Um, so prophecy is one of those great ways, uh, one of those great things that shows that. Um, so let's go to uh, Isaiah 53. I need to turn there. We're going to do... 593, page 593. Yeah, 593. We're, we're going to do um, uh, 2 through 12. So just, just bear with me as we're reading 10 verses. But I felt like that was, that was really a good section that needed to be said. So this is... Before we read this real quick, I need to mention. There, obviously, there are people who, who believe all kinds of stuff. They, they, you know, again, there's going to be people that don't believe Jesus even existed. But when you get to, to the realm of academia and scholarship and the people who are like the historians, the people who are the scholars that even that study all this stuff, like that's what they do with their life. No one on that level is, denies that Jesus existed. And really no one on that level even denies that Jesus Christ died on the cross. So that's where, where things get interesting because, okay, you have all these atheist scholars and all that are New Testament scholars that agree <laughs> – Hey, yeah, Jesus really existed. You know, this guy in the Bible, he was real. And he really did die on the cross. But I don't believe he's the Messiah that, you know, the rest of the Bible talks about. So that's where you can get disagreement. But I'm, I'm just bringing up, that, bringing up that to back the fact that when you get to the, peop, to the level of the people who actually use their life to study this stuff, there's, there is no debate on whether or not Jesus existed and Jesus died on the cross. Um, Bless so let's read that. Isaiah 53. And I have to get to the right page. Uh, 2 through 12. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence, like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. This is about Jesus, if, if you haven't picked that up already. Um, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. 
he bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. I don't know if that gives anybody else chills, but it definitely gives me chills. Uh, you know, I've seen a few times in there that, that Christ's death, Christ, Christ took my sins. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's in, insane. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and just another, another way of saying, too, that um, there's nothing that we can do to right our, our paths, right ourselves, give ourselves salvation. It's all through Christ. It's what, it's what Christ did on the cross. Um, it's his death on the cross that, that he did this. And, <clears throat> and there's a few things in there now that, that stick out. So among many different things. But one of them is um, one of them is he was, he was buried like a criminal. He was put, that's verse 9, he was put in a rich man's grave. We know Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man who was a friend of Jesus, and uh, it says in in, uh, in the New Testament that he was after the death he he went and requested the body so that he could put it in his tomb that he owned, um, and so and that is an interesting fact because that is actually one of those facts that that scholars and all do not deny. No matter where they where they fall on their own personal belief, they actually don't deny that it was. Because we know through archaeological evidence that Joseph of Arimathea was a real guy, um, outside of you know what we already know through Scripture, but uh, we've actually found evidence that has shown he's a real guy. So he was, and he really was in the position that it says in Scripture, and he had this tomb, and he he requested the body, and he buried Jesus. So prophecy right here, you know this this was hundreds of years before the actual event of the crucifixion. Um, this is just one of many examples, but uh, also just think about it from a little bit of a different angle. The fact that we see it again, this passage is read. This guy came from a nothing background, uh, was, you know, basically a, a poor guy growing up and has no, no descendants uh, in terms of, of a physical line of zone, no descendants. And we only see him, the uh, mention of him from his birth to, you know, he, he preached at around 12 years old. And all of a sudden, we don't really have much in Scripture up until he starts his ministry at 30. So then we get from 30 to 33. So this guy that lived 2,000 years ago and, and really did things that, that were, were written down, he only did them for three years. And somehow, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. And people all throughout those 2,000 of years, even up to this present day, are still dying for this message, are still putting their life down for this, uh, for, for this truth because they know that it's real, because they, their lives have been changed by this. And their lives have been changed by this message because it's, it's real. Um, and uh, so now we're going to go to, to Jesus's, more, more along Jesus' time. So Second Peter, this is page 982. Second Peter one. Second Peter what? One. One. Page nine eighty two. That was a good verse. I uh, read the Bible a couple times, but I never thought about that was actually written before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hundreds of years. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, there's prophecy that goes back all the way to, to Genesis, uh, talking about Jesus. You know, um, there's, there's so many. Uh, I mean, you go hundreds of years before, you go a thousand years before, two thousand years before, and it all leads right to Jesus. Um, I, I actually didn't mention this before, but um, there, uh, <clears throat> Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies. Uh, his, his life and his death fulfilled 300 prophecies that were, were talked about throughout Scripture. Um, and there's been guys, there, there, was, there was one scholar from the 1920s who was like, all right, what's the deal with these, with these fulfilled prophecies? You know, what are, what are the chances that a guy actually did this? So he actually, he, he actually only picked eight. And for, so he, he went with eight of those prophecies. He said, what, he wanted to figure out the math. What are the chances that one guy living at, at one time in, in history fulfilled, you know, eight things that were written way before him? So he figured all this stuff out. And he came up with, the, with a number that, for just eight, a number that is like, is so big, it, you, you can't really fathom it. So, so they came up with this example, kind of to put it, uh, kind of give you a picture of it. For just fulfilling eight of these prophecies, for one man to do that, it's the chances of the whole state of Texas being covered two feet high with, with quarters and you putting a blindfold on and one of those quarters is, is painted red. They put a blindfold on you and then you, go, you, you have to walk through and find out. And the, the chances of you picking that one red quarter is the chances of one guy throughout history fulfilling just eight of those prophecies. Okay. And he fulfilled 300. Mm-hmm. He's the name of the John. That's right. <laughs> so, 2 Peter 1, 16 to 21. Excuse me, can I throw this in? Yeah. I looked that up for you. You're 100% right. And a lot of people don't realize how big Texas is. <laughs> 63 New Jerseys will fit inside of Texas. That's how big Texas is. It takes an hour, I'm told, to drive from west to east. No, I'm sorry, not an hour, a day. From the west side to the east side. But that's what we can relate to. Like, take 63 New Jerseys and put them into London. That's how big Texas is. Better than the Powerball over like a thousand times. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. That was good. Um, So we're going to do... Uh, Chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. This is Peter. uh, He's talking about the disciples. When he received honor and glory from God the Father. I'm sorry. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit 
and they spoke from God. So he's saying here, <clears throat> he's saying here a couple major things. One, uh, one the, the, the prophets from back in the day, the ones we just mentioned from hundreds and, and thousands of years ago that wrote about Jesus and what was going to happen in his life. Uh, those guys were not just writing good guesses. They were not just writing things, you know, like, hey, I'm going to write this down and hopefully somebody in the future will look at it and be like, hey, this is pretty cool. No, it was they were writing it because they, they were they were filled and, and inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. So it was it was God leading their pen um, because God knew what that future was going to be. And he's also saying in this passage that that we, the disciples, actually saw these things with Jesus happen. OK, so it's so now it's not just uh, now we have eyewitnesses. Now, now, you know, more, more of an evidential approach comes into play, right? We have, we have guys who actually saw these things happen. So that brings you to the point that um, Christianity is, is separate from every other view, every other religion, every other worldview for a few different reasons. But one of them being that Christianity is testable, Okay. Um, do you know what I mean by that? You can prove things. You can prove things. You can find things. You can you can uh, dig in the dirt. You can dig in the dirt in archaeology and find things. There, there's been over 24,000 uh, 24, archaeological digs over the last couple hundred years um, that, that were trying to uh, find things in Scripture or find things that were, that were going to prove Scripture wrong. Never once has one thing been found in the dirt. That, that went against what Scripture has, has taught. Never once. Um, for the longest time, it was always said, we haven't found anything that, that proves that King David was a real guy. So, uh, so, you know, everything is based off of King David's line, right? That's where Jesus comes from and all that. And you're basing your whole faith on this. So if, if we can say King David wasn't a real dude, then none of it, none of it matters. The story doesn't matter, right? Um, until they found... I think about 100 years ago or 80 years ago, they found something that actually had King David written on it. And, uh, and so, many, so many different examples like that um, throughout, throughout, the, throughout the years. You might also think, as I've heard it said to me, well, then why don't we hear about these things? If all these things are major you know, discoveries, why don't we hear about them? Because they can't, they can't come out and say all these things that prove one faith right when so many people in the world believe all kinds of different stuff, right? Yeah. You're not going to get that message from the world, okay? Um, that's why you do your due diligence in studying and learning these things and finding these things out. Um, and, <clears throat> but the fact that Christianity is testable um, is based on where we're going to go to next, 1 Corinthians 15, page 927. This is one of my favorite passages, if not my favorite. First Corinthians 15, right? Yep. <clears throat> Which one? 
I didn't actually write down the verses I wanted to read. So I'm going to just start reading. <laughs> uh, verse 1, I'm going to read to... 15. What's that? Chapter 15. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, verse 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters. But this is the Apostle Paul writing, by the way. Uh, remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for us. All right, so let me break this down first before we keep going. Verse 3, he's saying, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Let me tell you why this is a big deal. That verse right there and the next couple as we go forward. Um, he says, uh, the most important message. Now, that's going to be the message that he proclaims in the next couple verses that we read. Um, that's the, the core of the Christian faith. Now, the reason that this is really important. First Corinthians, uh, First Corinthians was, was most likely written, was written about mid-50s A.D., Okay, so this is, uh, and, we, and we actually have some, some physical manuscripts that people have dated back to about that date. Um, and that's a big deal because Christ died when? In the 30s, 33, somewhere in there. Depending on when you think, you know, it all, it all began. But 30, 33, somewhere in there he died. So we're talking only about 15 or so years after Christ's death that this was written down. Okay. That might sound like, all right, a lot, can happen, a lot can happen in 15 years and all this. All right. But let me tell you why that's still a big deal. One, re- one first reason. When historians are looking into why it's important, uh, or, or, or they're looking at old manuscripts to tell you about ancient stories, what we don't hear, what we don't hear when it comes to other ancient characters like Alexander the Great, people like that, uh, Julius Caesar, all these guys, when we're told about those guys, we're not really told in a way to question their historic, historicity, right? We're not like they just tell us a story and we believe it. Why don't they? Why don't they give that same credibility to Scripture? I'll tell you why. Example: Alexander the Great. The the physical manuscripts they have in, in hand for him is only a couple. First of all, it's it's like <laughs> five to ten. It's it's not many, and they're written. Around a thousand years after he lived. Okay? Is it kind of clicking? Like, that's why it's important to, to, to know this, to know this fact of the dating. Because, again, when you're taught historical ancient characters, nobody questions those guys. Nobody questions those stories. I say nobody. There are people. But, you know, nobody questions those stories. We have 15 years, which is nothing. In, in, in terms of, of ancient dating, this is like, this is gold. This is, this is the platinum that you can get. Now, why, what makes this verse specifically even more of a big deal? He's talking about a creed that was handed down to him, right? This, this main message. That's a creed that was handed down to Paul. So that means that creed, which is this one, the next couple of verses, that creed is actually older than this passage, which means it's even closer to the actual events of Jesus. Uh, a lot of people actually date that, that specific creed. They actually date that to possibly within months of Jesus. So you can see how this is kind of a big deal, right? 
So that's what's happening in this, in this verse, verse 3, when he says that. So what is that message? So we'll keep going. Uh, Christ died for our sins, second half of verse 3. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. Again, we're back at prophecy. Verse 4. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Again, prophecy. Verse 5. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. Going back to that, what we just read in Second Peter, right? After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So Paul's talking about he saw Jesus. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of, other, any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God, who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. So he's talking to the Corinthian church. That's who he's writing this letter to. This is a church that was already established. That was in uh, the first couple <laughs> verses. Um, and, and again, he, he's bringing it back to that, that original creed, that original couple verses we just read. That is the main <laughs> message, that Jesus died just like the scriptures said. Uh, that he was going to, um, that he rose again uh, from, from death, just like Scripture said that he was going to. That all proves that he's the Messiah, just like Scriptures were saying a Messiah was going to come and do all those things. Jesus is that guy. Jesus Christ is that guy that did that. Now we're going to the next section. Um, and this, keep in mind what I said before I started reading all this. Christianity is testable. Keep that in mind as I'm reading these next couple verses. But tell me this, verse 12. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. So, Christianity is testable. Okay? The resurrection is a big deal. What just happened here, what he just wrote out in those couple verses, is everything in our faith, everything we believe, everything that Scripture has said, everything in the Old Testament about prophecies and stuff like that, everything that Christ went around the earth preaching, uh, preaching the gospel, and even his disciples and his apostles after him preaching the gospel, preaching that he was the Messiah, that... Uh, that believing in him and, and repenting of your sins, now Christ is going to take those sins from you. All of that goes away if the historical resurrection did not happen. We, and he even goes as far as to say, if we believed all of that stuff, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Okay? We're fools. All right? 
our faith is useless. That's what he says before that. And we're still guilty of our sins. We're still carrying that around. But Christ has done that. Why? Because his resurrection actually did happen. It actually was a historical event. He was a historical person that really did die on a cross, that really did bodily rise again, really had eyewitnesses that saw that. <clears throat> and and that's, that's the core. That's the core of, of the Christian message. Um, so I already talked about a few, few of the... Uh, the big reasons for why believing in prophecy, why, uh, why seeing that this is a big deal, the resurrection is a big deal. Okay, so um, I talked about his crucifixion again. That's not debated. That's 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 the real deal. I already talked about Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. That's the real deal. Uh, let's go to Acts nine. This is page eight eighty two. So remember where Paul just said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said that uh, last of all, he saw as an apostle, last of all, he saw the risen Christ. Okay. Let me, um, if you're not already aware, let me rearrange some of the dates for you. Not rearrange, but just arrange them. Uh, Paul was, was after Christ. So he, his ministry was... Probably from like the early 40s, mid 40s on until his death um, in the in the 60s. And and so he was after he himself never actually met Christ walking on earth. Okay, he was he was after that. Um, But we see here Acts 9 in verses three to six. This is Paul. This, he's known as, as Saul at this point. His name didn't change at the Paul. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Why is this a big deal? And, you know, okay, cool. This guy said that he got a vision. So what? Just, you know, anybody can say that. You know, you, you can take some pills right now and see a whole bunch of funky stuff. Okay? So, <clears throat> this is a big deal because, again, historically, Paul as a historical figure is not questioned. Um, and the, the big deal of Paul being totally flipped to being a Christ follower and, and proclaimer is the fact that he was before that literally going around killing Christians for believing that message about, about Christ. He either was, was himself doing the killing or, or he was just telling other people like, hey, this is fine, and he was promoting it. He was, he was trying to end the church. That was his mission. Before he, he was on the Damascus Road, you know, I, I know you've all heard that before, that was his domestic, that was that was his his conversion. Jesus actually came to him and said, "Nope, you're not going to do this anymore. You're going to flip around. You're going to and you're going to serve me with your life." And 
So can we prove that that actually happened? No, we can't. But what does prove that is his life. This guy goes, goes from, from a Christian killer to now wants to make Christians. And, wants, and, and then even eventually gives his life for that message. Okay? That's how we know that. Um, that's that's what, what gives that credibility. Is that why he changed his name? I'm sorry? Is that why he changed his name? Uh, Saul, so... What, what is the answer to that? I, I'm, I totally just drew a blank. One is a Greek name, one is a Hebrew name. He never yeah. really okay. changed his name. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was always Paul, Saul. It all depends on. Yep. Uh, I read that. There's a lot of guys in scripture have like two names uh, because they're called this by a Hebrew name. And Peter, this by Cephas, a, yeah. A Greek name, whatever, so you know. Yeah. I read that Paul, uh, Saul was the uh, Roman name and Paul was the Hebrew name. Okay. That makes I'm sense. Not sure which, I don't remember, but that's basically yeah. what it was, yeah. Maybe I knew I knew you guys would have a better answer than I would in the moment. Maybe he'd just start going as that by that because it was different. Like instead of him being known as Saul, the Christian killer, he's Paul, the Christian. Right, he didn't change his name to. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, because you know, he no, 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 being yeah. known as or whatever. Yeah. I even wrote about what he did. Yeah, okay. I wrote about that in Philippians. Yep. And, and that's why the the, the <coughs> apostles didn't trust him at first. Because right. he was saying, oh, I'll convert it. I'm different now. But they all knew him as Saul from yeah, Tarsus. And he's killing yep. or having killed every Christian that he can get his hands on. Ananias didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. He did not want anything to do with him. So an, uh, another big deal with Paul. Again, when you go into scholarly level and, and uh, historians... The most liberal of the liberal atheist New Testament scholars will say, we don't, we don't think they, that the, the New Testament is credible except for Paul's writings. And the interesting thing about that is, because, is that even if you cut out everything else and you keep in Paul's writings, his epistles, you still get the Christian message. You still get, you still get Christ lived the perfect life, Christ died on the cross for our sins, Christ resurrected. And, and shows his power of death and that he is the true savior and messiah. You still get all that from Paul's writings. So <clears throat> I just, I think that's so cool. The, the, one of the best, now moving forward to the, to the last one I'll talk about. Um, there are many more, but I just kept it to four. Uh, four main proofs for the resurrection is the fact of the disciples' lives. Um, now that sounds a little weird. Uh, because, you know, hey, these are the guys that walked with Jesus. You know, why, why does that really matter? It matters because these guys, for the most part, were, were basically just average Jews. They were, you know, fishermen. They, they were just like regular, normal people. And, uh, and we see throughout, throughout Scripture in the Gospels that, that there were a lot of times the disciples were, were kind of timid they were weak they they were doubtful uh of jesus even though they were watching things happen and walking alongside him they they had a lot of questions and a lot a lot a lot of doubtful things going on um over and over and over they were proven wrong through jesus doing something and and saying like hey this is me guys and then the next next crazy thing would happen and they would be like well jesus what are we going to do and he's like you forgot already who i am and that was happening over and over but why it's a big deal 
that the majority of the disciples, again, we know this historically, uh, in the scripture and, and outside of scripture, actually it's outside of scripture we know this, that the majority of the, the disciples uh, were martyred for, for their faith, for proclaiming their faith. Okay? Why, that, why is that a big deal? Why that's a big deal is you, you could think of it this way. All right, I don't see how that matters because people die for lies all the time, right? People die believing, you know, name it, any other religion, any other worldview, or not even having one, uh, a cult, all kinds of stuff. People die for lies all the time. But you know what people don't do? They don't die for something that they know is not a lie, okay? So these guys knew that Jesus, and they knew, walked alongside of him and saw the miracles he performed. They knew who he was. And they also saw his resurrected body after he had risen from the dead. And, and it, we see with the example of Thomas, uh, you, you might hear doubting Thomas. Uh, some of them, like Thomas, didn't even believe that he, everybody else was, was telling the truth when they were saying like, hey, Jesus is alive. We're out, you know, people were proclaiming, we see Jesus. He was like, no, I'm not going to believe it until I see him and I touch him. Until I see those wounds and I, and, I, and I can talk to him face to face and touch him. So let's go to John 20, page 873. Actually, only 10 pages away. All right, so John 20, verses 24 to 29. Talking about Thomas here. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hands to the wound in his side. (laughs) He's asking a lot. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand, put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Okay? That's us. We, we haven't seen that happen, but we believe and we're, we're blessed because of that. But here's Thomas. He, again, he walked with Christ throughout his life, throughout his, his, uh, uh, his, his work and his missions that he did on, on, on earth. He walked alongside that. He still didn't believe. Okay? Thomas went from being the one that was doubtful to, to living out that life afterwards and, uh, and proclaiming the truth of the gospel, proclaiming the good news. And he went, Thomas actually was the one that went to India. Uh, we know this through, through a bunch of other historical records. Thomas, Thomas went to India and he was mostly proclaiming the gospel to, uh, to Hindus. And... Uh, and he was martyred because of that eventually. But he stuck to it. Doubtful Thomas went, went from doubting Thomas to going to a whole new place with a whole bunch of people that when he, he might have been alone. Well, he probably wasn't alone. He probably went with a group of people. But, um, but he ended up being martyred for, for his faith, for the message he was proclaiming. And that so, was quite a trek. 
Sorry? From Israel to <laughs> India was quite a trek. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So all of those, all of, all of that, the disciples' lives, the change in their lives is a huge reason why we can, we can believe the historicity of the resurrection. Now, I'm, I'm closing in. We're almost on. Why does the resurrection matter? This is like this. Now we, we talked about historicity, um, but it, it has to be now. Now it becomes personal. So, so why does it matter for us? If the resurrection is true, uh, then that means Jesus is the Messiah that the scriptures say says he is. If the resurrection is true, then it is true that by repenting of our sins and believing in his sacrifice for our sins, that we too can spend eternity with him. That's like, does it get any better than that? Is that part one or part two? That's not on there. Oh, no. <laughs> so you were holding that No. Um, so that matters. To, that, that, goes, that goes all the way to this amazing message to now to us personally. Okay? We, we do, do we or do we not take hold of that personally for our lives? Do we, do we take hold of that to where we, we get to walk this earthly life uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and, and proclaiming that message to others so that hopefully we can see them in eternity with us? Uh, that, is, that is where it becomes personal. Um, and at the end of the day, if the resurrection is true, then there's hope. Amen. There's hope. We've all lived different lives. We've all gone through different things, had different experiences, uh, different goods and, and bads. Um, dealt with different things and, and have different things going on currently right now in our life. And I don't know where anybody else is in this, in, in this room, but, like, but through, through this, there's hope. Through Christ and his resurrection, there's hope. Let's go to page 978. Guys, I have to apologize. I have to leave. To okay. Go, uh, you got to get to the farms before it closes. Yep, no problem. Okay. Sorry about that. But I'll see you next week. Yep, take all this if you want. Okay. Um, I'm closing in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4. What's the page? It's, this, this one is weird. It actually doesn't have a page number on it. See you next week. Um, yeah. Well, you look at the page after. Yeah, so you go to 979. It's the page before. So it's 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. And that's very personal. That's to every, every single person individually that accepts that and receives that and believes that message. And then the last thing I'm going to close on is Romans fifteen thirteen, page 915. Romans 15? 13. 13. 15, 13. 15, 13. Yeah. Um, Verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the message that we all want. 
and, and we all want for you guys. Um, and, and you can have that. So that's where I'm going to close. This right now that means that you made it through the whole episode and we greatly appreciate that and thank you guys there are links in the show notes for you that i believe may be helpful for you in relation to this episode the best ways to help this show if you're interested would be to share it among your circles check out our merch site truestrengthapparel.com and please take seven seconds to rate comment and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on the true strength life podcast and apparel exists to speak and show truth to the culture so support us if you believe that's needed Until next time, be bold and stand strong in truth.